It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a bunch. Can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again. Twist a little bit of teeth because you got thick skin. Welcome in to After the Snap. We are your co-hosts, Blake Ferguson and my brother, Reed. We are here to walk you through all things long snapping, all things football, and all things beer. We also want to talk about something that happened today, Reed. You and I and the people know that we are big fans of not only American football, but also the football played around the world. Correct. Today, I believe, was the first time that Pelly Saint-Germain played with Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, and Leo Messi all starting. And they didn't win. How on earth is that possible? Not only did they not win, I'm looking at the stats right here, they had less shots on goal than the team that they drew. Club that's Club un- Bruges. It's un- unacceptable. And <laughs> and the goal that they did score was not even scored by any of the three players that I already named. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. It's I, I I had to I had to lead with that because that came up across my uh, Twitter timeline earlier as I was scrolling during dinner. And I saw Freezing Cold Takes tweeted some journalist who was tweeting about how they were going to score a gazillion goals. For those that don't know the football, and you talk about these three players, can you com- can you give a football compare an American football comparison on offense of who these three players would represent? So at least I can understand that further. Like the three players, I, I think it would be easier to do it in terms of basketball. And that would be LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant all playing. I don't know about that. That's three all-time greats. Mbappe's 22. They're the three best players in the game right now. I would say that's three of the top five current players uh, all starting for the same team. Chris, does that answer your question? It would be like if your offense in the NFL had the number one Pro Bowl quarterback, all pro quarterback, and two all pro receivers. It's like the the soccer team has Josh Allen, it has Devontae Adams, and it has you reference somebody that's twenty two. So then I would probably reference one of the best young receivers, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, sure, that's would, a fair comparison. I would, I would give that as a fair comparison. Yes. The fact that the, that they can afford to play all three of these players is like monumental. Oil money, and baby. I, 
this is not a soccer podcast, but can be. It was something that I came across and felt like I should uh, bring up because it is once again unacceptable for Paris Saint Germain to not win every game that they play. All right. Well, today is a very special day. We have one of our favorite special guests coming on the pod later on after a little bit of NFL chatter. Should we recap week one? Yes, we should. We know the score lines. Steelers beat the Bills. Dolphins beat the Patriots. Let's talk about the atmosphere being back in the stadium in Orchard Park in front of a packed out crowd. Being back out there, obviously, in front of a full packed house. I mean, it's been it's been a while since I've seen it that that packed because usually, you know, it's it's um, they'll they'll it's a sellout. Maybe you know, tickets are sold out, but the top corner, you know, you can kind of see some seats, some some empty row sections around, um, but it's still a pretty full house. This I'm I am not kidding you when I say at kickoff. I was looking around for a solid minute, minute and a half before a kickoff, and I couldn't see an empty seat. Couldn't see it. I mean, it was prime, prime one p.m. kickoff in Orchard Park. So, uh, and it was you know, thankfully the rain held off. You know, knock on wood for this weekend. But um, no, it was awesome. You know, the the nine eleven tribute video that they played uh, beforehand. Did they? I, I, did they play the same? Did they play something for you guys? I I think I saw something that they might. Have played the same video every in every stadium. I it was like a we were two, not, two to three minute video. If they if they did play it, we were not out there for it because I don't remember that. Gotcha. Though they did do a flyover. Oh yeah, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was. It, they, they we had a flyover as well. It was pretty low because it was a cloudy day. Um, but our our assistant special teams coach uh, Matthew Smiley, he is awesome. But we've been together for five years, fifth year, five years now. He served in the Air Force uh, a while back, you know, a couple years, you know, not a couple years ago, but a few years ago. And uh, it was pretty cool to see to see him kind of witness the flyover 20-year anniversary of 9-11. We thank him for his service. But uh, yeah, pretty cool. That, that was definitely one of the coolest parts of the day, but also you know, getting all the fans back and it was, it was very rowdy in there. How was it in New England? It was rowdy as you uh, could probably imagine the Patriots didn't have any fans for all of last season. And so their fans were itching to get back in the stadium. It was packed pretty early um, in, in our warm up period. So it was really nice to be back in front of a crowd, even though it was an away game. Obviously, it was a notable game with it being the battle of the Alabama quarterbacks between Mac Jones and Tua, but it was also my first game with – or first regular season game with our new punter, Michael Pilardi. So that was good, and and obviously he's been around. He was with Carolina for the majority of his career – He's, I think, the, I think this is year seven for him. Yeah, he was a year or two um, before me, I believe. Yeah, I think this is year seven for him. So 
Uh, it's good to have a, have a vet in the room that can just provide some good maturity and stability in that, in that aspect. So walking into a packed crowd for the first time in the NFL felt very comfortable with him. And then obviously Jason as well. So uh, it was, it was really good. And uh, obviously we, we came home with the win. So that's just a cherry on top. Well, that's great to hear. I'm glad that uh, you had a good experience, obviously with your first full crowd in a stadium given uh, last year's circumstances, but uh, great to hear. Great to hear that you and uh, Pilardi and Jason are all getting along. Myself, Matt, and Tyler, uh, we're, we're Matt, um, myself and Tyler are really enjoying having Matt as a part of our room now. And we're really, we're gelling. We're getting along uh, great. You know, you had high praise for him after we brought yep. him on here back in, in the offseason. So uh, we've enjoyed having him here. I knew that when he signed his deal in Buffalo, I knew that that would be a really good fit. He's kind of one of those people that he fits in in whatever room that he is in. He's he's super easygoing and can obviously um, – he's a very agreeable person, just good personality to have around. Can I point out something from the game on Sunday that, Blake, I don't think I've seen you do it before, but, Reid, I saw you do it on Sunday. and It might have been the first punt of the second quarter, and I love that you do this. When you guys are going for a coffin corner, I love that you run down there and you were the first to point to the official where they should spot yes. the ball. Yes. Matt had a great That's- punt. Yeah, I think it was second quarter. Matt had a great punt. Um, I think, you know, we were maybe on the 50 or close to the 50. He had a great punt down into the into the right corner. But uh, I think they may have spotted it at the 7, 8-yard line and – I was trying to I tr- I told him I said I tried to buy you some extra yards but I think I may have pointed down at like the 5 or the 4 maybe but uh I tried I tried my best sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't it has worked a couple times I think it worked in Chicago one year so I'm glad that you saw that Chris cuz I'm not sure how many people noticed but I do try my best to help my punter out and the that's defense obviously That's something that I had seen you do mostly on TV because I obviously wasn't able to come to most of your games uh, when I was in college, but I did see you. I think it was the Cowboys game. You did it on Thanksgiving in 2019. I do it regularly. So it's probably happened um, a bunch. And so that's something that I'll have to, that's something that I'll add to add to my repertoire. You never know when it'll work. So as we've covered uh, a couple weeks ago, we will be doing the ATS after the snap clutch snap of the week. Big one this week. Chris, Cru- Chris cue the drum roll. <laughs> after observing league-wide snaps, punt snaps, field goal snaps, watching some college games over the weekend. We have come to the conclusion that Trent Sieg of the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. Had the ATS clutch snap of the week for his snap against the Ravens on Monday Night Football. They needed a 55-yard field goal uh, with, I think, seven seconds left remaining in the game to tie it up and go to overtime. Clutch snap, and it was a clutch made field goal by Daniel Carlson. And I think it the went. Dude's got a, the dude's got a boot. Got a boot. 
uh, big leg. So they the, the field goal went through, two seconds left. They went to overtime and eventually won the game. So congratulations to Trent. Uh, you have won the inaugural ATS Clutch Snap of the Week. Are we going to make that a trophy? Um, not a trophy, but it will be – I'll try to get film of it and post it on social media so we can give Trent some credit. All right. Well, moving on to a topic that we have discussed several times over, and we have some new news on the college athletics NIL front. This has been a fun one to kind of follow as it's really been groundbreaking and we have been learning more each week and sort of seeing this new quote-unquote frontier of NIL deals being done. I saw where I think it was I think it was like last this past Thursday or Friday. Um, I, I was I was disappointed that we weren't able to get to it on last week's pod, but um, UCLA's Jalen Clark, basketball player, has launched his own cryptocurrency, and he's the first college athlete to have his own cryptocurrency. When you sent me this, it really caught my attention because. I had not seen this before, but I'm extremely interested uh, because I don't really know. Well, I take well. I, I'm not going to take it back because I didn't say anything. But how I, I'm not super into the crypto world. I'm not extremely familiar with how it works. I know, you know, a lot of the the meme coins and stuff, you know, are are, are kind of big. I don't really know a lot of the parameters around pulling the money out, what the taxes and stuff look like. Anyway, it's going down a, a deeper rabbit hole than I want to get into. But I'm interested in how he developed and created his own cryptocurrency because if this is along the same lines as like creating your own NFTs, which I'm which the NFT I'm kind of interested in, that that aspect of things, I kind of want to see how it's done because I'd like to I'd like to um to maybe look into that, but what well, one one hit that I saw yesterday uh, on kind of the NFT train was I listened to the My First Million podcast. Um, it's a great like private equity, angel investing stuff like that podcast. But it's two guys, Sam and Sean, and they talk they talk about kind of a lot of investing ideas and kind of how they uh, got started investing in different businesses how their businesses have grown while they've been a part of things. Uh, but Sean uh, tweeted out a little thread um, maybe a day or so ago, and it was talking about how he may, created an NFT to, and, and if you, if you, you could bid and bid on, and eventually if you win it, you bought, you, you own the NFT, but the NFT represents five minutes of airtime on their podcast, which I thought was really interesting because he put some notes into the thread about how much the NFT could possibly be worth. And he, he kind of posted some screenshots. I think they, they you know, the bidding kind of got up to, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, but he was basically saying how they get, you know, they're, they're, they're going to finish this year with like a hundred million downloads, right? So you can kind of put into perspective what this NFT might be worth now, or if you buy it, you can sit on it and it or and sell it later, or you can use it whenever it's worth more 
as the podcast grows. So anyway, that was just something really interesting that I saw. But but that world of the invest the investing world is you know kind of catches my attention. Yeah, it is an interesting um, kind of new, I guess again new frontier of things that I really don't know a whole lot about. But it does sound like Jalen Clark is using his cryptocurrency sort of in the same way. It says that fans who use uh, money sign J Rock will have access to unique content, ticket giveaways, and various events. So it sounds like it's pretty similar. When you use this crypto, you get access to content and things that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. Pretty cool. Yeah, cool, cool idea overall. Something that I would like to look more into. Read any chance that uh, your best friend Dank is going to start the ATS coin? If he's listening, there's a strong chance he might beat me to oh, it. He might guy, beat me to it. That guy cracks me up. Dank, if you're listening, I'm on to you. All right. Well, shall we get into the real reason that everyone is here listening to our podcast this week? The reason that you and I are both here on this planet. We have our father, Big Kev, joining the pod today and we could not be more excited to have him on let's go to it hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are here with the Big Kev. People are pumped to hear what you have to say. People are pumped to hear you answer their questions and our questions. <laughs> Big Kev, it. welcome to the podcast. Wow. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. It's good to be here. Didn't think it would take uh, quite this long to be invited in, but I'm happy to be here. Now that you mention it, I think it's probably a crying shame that it has taken 21 episodes of this podcast for us to get you on here. And that is 100% our fault. No, it's all good. Blame it on, blame it on the producer. Oh, hey, let's not go there. I did say earlier in the beginning of the infancy of this podcast that we should have Kevin on for a discussion on parenting two kids that have eventually made it to the NFL and how to handle that throughout middle school and high school and college. I've mentioned that to you guys before. Don't, yes, don't you blame have. this yes, on Yes, you producer. have. And we will cover that uh, in a little bit. But, Dad, we had um, we put out some feelers on social media yesterday and we got a lot of questions and a lot of good feedback uh, from people that are interested in hearing what you have to say. Do you mind if Blake and I go back and forth with some questions for you? Uh, We've got about, I don't know, uh, eight or nine questions and then we have uh, some quick snaps at the end uh, that will just be some some, some quick fire one, uh, one to five word answers. You know, Blake and I have done a lot of interviews over the years, 
talking and telling about our story of how we got into long snapping, I think we would be doing a disservice right off the bat if we didn't start with your perspective on how each of us got started doing what we love today. Well, I think as you guys have said, it goes back to the situation with you, Reed, in the very beginning where you weren't, as you've said, getting a lot of opportunities to get on the field and the guy in front of you gets hurt, breaks his arm, I think it was, or his hand, and you got a chance to be the center. And quite honestly, I can't even remember. The story that I remember about from the very beginning is that back when you guys were playing, if you kicked it, it was two points. And if you ran it in, it was one point because it was harder to kick it. It was harder to get the operation off. So the coach came to me and says, hey, we think we have a kicker because no one else was doing it. And he said, do you think you can teach Reed how to do this? And so that's my recollection of the very beginning. And the funny thing that I don't think you guys, you may not even, I don't know if either one of you would remember this, but when we were literally, Reed, trying to learn, okay, well, how do you even hold the football to do this, right? Where do you even put your hands? <laughs> I can remember we ordered a DVD because I don't was even think... The, it, was it the Rubio DVD? It might have been the Rubio DVD, but I don't I even think it was. We weren't I even remember. like using youtube at the time i mean youtube it existed for a few years at that point but not very long right i mean it not very long the, but there wasn't yeah there the slim to none chance there was a snapping instruction video on there yeah so we order the dvd just so we can like learn how to get into a stance and hold your hands on the yep. football and so you know from there you guys have told the story again my approach was well if we're going to learn how to do it it's got to be about repetition. So that's when we started the reps in the garage before school, after school. Blake wasn't even thinking about doing it at that point. Um, you know, he was off, you know, wanting to do a concert in the living room or something. <laughs> a magic show. <laughs> yeah, or a magic show or something. So anyway, but that's, I mean, that's my Selling guitar picks out of the hallway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Autographed, I'll have you know. <laughs> or, or he's looking over at me at the Alpharetta gym trying to figure out why he didn't get a foul call and Chris is laughing. So oh, I yeah. That. I blame that on the scorekeeper. That's another, that's another thing we're getting into later. <laughs> that's my early recollection for you. I mean, and then from there, you guys have told the story. You got the instruction. What I remember about Blake is my earliest recollection of him taking an interest because he used to go to the Rubio camps like you did and, you know, he didn't really participate. He would watch and, you know, he didn't just really didn't have that much of an interest. And then Rubio starts engaging him in some of the, the drills or, you know, just to try to make him be a part of the group. Cause it was all older guys, right? There was no young guys doing it. And so then he starts kind of messing around with it and, Starts going to the camps. He's, you know, the lone eighth grader doing a Vegas camp. The next closest guys are, you know, at least two years older than him. And, you know, there's stories about that back to where he, you know, went 
he actually had type one at the time and we didn't even know it, right? He's in Vegas, right? That was around the same time that right before he got diagnosed. So yeah, those are my early recollections of you guys getting started. And then, you know, from there it was more, what could we do to do everything we can to put you in a position to be successful and take you to camps and trips and all the other things. I want to talk about something that has meant a lot to both Reed and I throughout the years that you have always ingrained in our heads. And that's the concept of the 10,000 hour rule. It's something that I always remind myself that to be an expert at anything, you have to put in 10,000 hours worth of work. I'd like for you, if you can, to sort of touch on that, why that meant so much to us and sort of how that has gotten us to, you know, where we are now. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that because that book, uh, the Gladwell book came out about the same time you guys were starting out. You know, if people are probably familiar with the story, if you've read the book, but there's, you know, I won't go into that level of detail, but the data would suggest that if you spend 10,000 hours practicing anything or working on anything, then you know, you're going to be very, very good at it at or expert level. So, you know, all those repetitions and that's that's what we tried to instill in both of you, as you know, if you were going to pursue this, then and we were going to collectively make all these sacrifices, then why not try to do everything you can on every angle, on every level possible to be the very best, you know, in addition to the 10,000 hours, I mean, it was thinking through those types of things, but also what are we eating? What, how are we resting? You know, how are we taking care of ourselves? Right. What are the other activities that we're putting ourselves at risk? I mean, we tried to just think of every possible thing that you might consider, but we did that when you guys were in middle school and high school. And so that was, I mean, you guys know, that's just the way that I'm wired mom is wired the same way. And we're forever grateful that it worked out for both of you. Still today, it is an amazing thing that not necessarily because of anything I've done or mom has done, but it's an amazing thing that you two have found yourself in the positions that you're in and you have achieved the highest level for what you do. It's, you know, so a big credit to you, but there's a lot of people along the way that collectively helped us get you to that point. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that, uh, and just side note, I always think it's funny when people say they're self-made this and self-made that. It's it's you're never a hundred percent self-made. There's always, Dad, like you said, there's always people along the way. I mean, good grief, you know, trainers, you know, nutritionists, friends to help uh, with snapping drills, friends to help catch catch snaps when when you were maybe not available, uh, guys going, you know, helping with workouts, you know, whatever it might have been. There's hundreds, thousands of people, hundreds maybe, I don't know, thousands, but a lot of people that, that did help us reach, you know, where we're at in our journey thus far. And I, I mean, obviously, Blake, I can't even begin to – thank, you know, start, start the list of people to thank, but dad, obviously you and mom would be at the top of the list. So, so moving on next question, 
thinking back to the high school stage, uh, you know, I know my experience with recruiting was a little bit different than Blake's. But if, if you could go back and, and kind of go through that recruiting journey, what are some things that you would do the same and, or maybe some things that you would do differently? I don't know that I would do a whole lot differently. I think I would probably try to not stress about it as much if that's possible. Because I think I was, that's easy to say. Looking yeah, back, it's easy it. to say. I mean, I think there was a point, and I've shared this with other dads that have boys that are trying to do what you guys have done, right? And you think back about the milestone points where you know you achieve a certain level in your you know rankings, let's just say, and so you knew at a certain point. Well, if I want to play in college. I can play in college, right? It's just a matter of where, right? Then it becomes, okay, I'm either going to, I'm, I'm going to play somewhere. Then it becomes, well, am I going to have to walk on somewhere or am I going to get a scholarship somewhere? And then you go to the next level of, okay, well, if I'm going to get a scholarship, which it looks like I am, then then it becomes the whole decision matrix, which we did as well for you, Reed, even for college, because just like you guys talked about the whiteboard, we did the whiteboard for you for picking your college because we w- we had it mapped out to say, well, if you don't get a scholarship anywhere, just like if you don't get drafted, here's where I'm going to sign first or try. We had already decided or you had helped you decide if I don't get a scholarship, here's where I'm going to walk on. Right. We knew that. So that takes a lot of the stress out of it. So I wouldn't necessarily change much of that because I think all of that is a good way to approach it. And I would have, I've given that advice to plenty of dads. But I think if I could change anything, it would, I mean, looking back, maybe you guys didn't feel it, but I felt like I, I wanted it really bad for you, not so much that I was trying to live vicariously through you or your experience because I wasn't, you know, a college athlete. I just wanted you to be successful because of all the, you know, sacrifices that everybody had made to try to get you there. And so, but um, in terms of doing anything different, you know, maybe the only thing I would say there would be to maybe try to just make more trips. I mean, we made a ton of trips. We saw a ton of games at a bunch of different schools I don't know if we could have taken more trips. Yeah, I don't know that we could. We we went on just about every weekend that we could carve out. But I mean, to me, that was that's the part I miss the most. Uh, Um, I 100% agree. That's I mean, to me, that's I mean, it's really cool watching you guys play on Sunday. But I would still those experiences far still far outweigh what you're doing on Sunday, as good as Sunday is. And I don't know, maybe that's not a fair statement, but just the the time we were able to spend together on those trips, you know, either the three of us or, you know, me with one or the other of you, those are some of the best times ever. I will always remember those as as good as anything we ever did. So are you saying that a road trip on Saturday morning to Starkville, Mississippi for Mississippi State against <laughs> Southwestern Missouri is not as fun as going to the Bills home opener. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just wanted to clear that up. Just wanted to. 
I mean, there were, I, can, I will I say the dual trips while Blake was at LSU and you were in Buffalo, that was, that was an absolute grind, but I loved every minute of it. Rolling into NOLA, into the hotel to get three hours of sleep after driving from Tiger Stadium to then get on a plane and fly to Atlanta to then get to Buffalo or Kansas City or wherever you were the next day. Unbelievable four years of our lives. Would not change one moment of that. And never had four years of doing that. We never had a flight issue except for the one Texas A&M slight delay. Shout out to the person that got Kevin and Tracy to the to Reed's first pro game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Windows actually, that wind uh, the windows down Uber experience from from the airport from our close family friend, your producer, the one we love, Chris. I do remember that moment riding in your car down two nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually glad, Dad, that you brought up the all those trips and stuff that you made, specifically during our collegiate careers. Do you have any like favorite moments from going to those games? Do you have any favorite moments watching Reed slash I in college? I would say the one that's still – I don't know that there's a uh, – well, when you guys beat the red team two years ago – Uh, that was really, really cool. But the one that's still, in my mind, the one that's still the best ever was the Ole Miss win when you guys were there. Oh, at home. In Baton Rouge. That's the one that I remember as fondly as Yeah, that one definitely sticks out. That Um, that was when when they stormed the field, right? Yep. 2014? 14, I think. I mean, there were so many of those games. I mean, you guys – I mean, certainly yeah, I mean the Florida games more. stick out. Game winning field goal, the Auburn field goal touchdown field goal, to win the game. Auburn, Auburn field goal for Blake. Yeah, I mean it's there's so many, so many examples for sure. I mean the South Carolina game against Clowney. Oh just, yeah, you guys destroyed them. Mansell, Man, your freshman so long ago. Your your freshman year against Mansell and in Texas A and M when we're oh, yeah. you know, thirty minutes late getting in and kickoff eleven a.m. Yeah, can't even see the field because we're sitting down by the concession stand. But you know, we still put it on them. So something about those Texas teams putting our LSU fans in bad seats <laughs> between between College Station and Austin, putting our our entire fans and the band up in the upper deck. There's something that they have against the the LSU fan base. Maybe it's because we steal all their recruits. That's exactly that what I was going to say. But I'm glad you actually – so this is a good segue into sort of where we're going to go with this. And we've kind of finished up the, the college football scene. We're moving on to the NFL. At what moment did you realize that this was now a family rivalry? I don't know. Ten minutes after you talk to Coach Flo on the phone and reads over there, oh, it's on now, baby. So I don't know. No, it was it was with him. Talk, I mean, he tra- he didn't even like give you more than like fifteen minutes to enjoy it before he's chirping about who the kings of the division were. But I'll hey, never forget that red, that bright red Bills shirt that he was wearing that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, he was that. not going to let you forget you gotta it. Got to fly the colors, baby. 
<laughs> more power to you. Well, Dad, um, you know, every every year, you know, in April, May, when the schedule comes out, that is a highly much anticipated date. Uh, the day that the schedule drops um, for, for you and mom for obvious reasons. But uh, can you walk us through kind of how you you put the Bills and Dolphins schedules next to each other and kind of how you decide and go through what your travel plans and which games you're able to make? I mean, it's a great problem to have, and we're blessed not only to be able to have you both playing, but you know, mom and I are blessed to be able to have the time to go and just the means to go. So humbled by our ability to do that first and foremost, and, you know, that God provides us the means to do so through our jobs and the companies that we work for and all of that. But with that said, what we now do since, you know, we've got to make a choice this year, last year was, you know, a lot of the decision was made for us, right? Because we couldn't go to Buffalo. So it made the decision a little easier to go see you both. So we we bought Sunday ticket as the backup plan because they're, you know, week one, you were in, Blake was in New England and you guys were playing, I think you played the Jets to open last year, if I remember correctly. Yep, at home. And so, you know, there were a couple of games like that where we couldn't attend. So, I had went through the whole thing of getting a dish on my house and just so I could get a Sunday ticket, two TVs, (laughs) the whole nine yards, all of that. So anyway, yeah. So then you, you know, making out the schedule this year, it's, um, you know, we just put them side by side and tried to, tried to balance it as best we can. I think out of the 34 regular season games, we'll make 25, which is pretty cool with the, Monday, Thursdays, and offsets, and London, and those kinds of things. A lot of it was really just driven by where the location was, but also, more importantly, probably who you were playing and what game might be a little bit more interesting, shall we say. I mean, if you're playing the Chiefs and Blake's playing the Jets, then, yeah, I'm probably going to go watch you play the Chiefs. That's, I mean, we just had to put it side by side, and then we make the, oh, I start making all the arrangements about, three or four weeks out and it's just a lot of a lot of planning a lot of logistics no complaints at all we're immensely grateful for the fact that we get to do it for you know a short it'll be a short period of time i mean i had a conversation with a colleague today that could not believe you were in your sixth year five years has gone by quickly neither of you will play forever mom and i'll just endeavor to enjoy it every moment of it while we can now, is there any chance that you and Tracy can uh, outdo the Deion Sanders 30 for 30? Any chance that we see Kevin and Tracy go to a 1 o'clock game followed by a Sunday night football game? <laughs> Gosh, I'm trying to think how I could pull if that that happened, off. I think you'd break the internet. Maybe that's something we should like try to see if we can just pull it off, just just for the fun of it. It would have to be – I mean, it would have. you'd have to be close – like where could you right? do that? Like I'm you, saying, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it'd have to be to the, Buffalo to New York, Buffalo to New England, some like Buffalo to Cincinnati or Miami to Atlanta, Atlanta. I don't even know if Miami to Tampa. Well, we have Week Five, Miami at Tampa Bay, one o'clock. Buffalo at Kansas City, Sunday Night Football. 
I think the we'll flight. I think the flight would be too long. Do we? Well, it might be too long. You get, and then you get to kept- Sunday night. You could get to Sunday night by halftime. You also have to factor in going coming from a city to a city that has no connecting flights that you can go nonstop. Yeah, Correct. I think I think we hit up. I think the solution to this is we hit up wheels up and see if they will do <laughs> the coolest yes. story in the history of ever and help us break the internet. Yes. I, like I think that that's idea. what we do. Chris, be- did you look at it already? Is week five the only time that it would be possible from a logistic yeah, standpoint? Your, yeah, that's your only Sunday night game. And as we all know, Miami's not good enough to play Sunday night. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Next question. <laughs> Cut. All right. Well, <laughs> I, like the, I like the wheels up idea, though. I do too. I think I think that that might be something that we pursue. Blake needs to use his um, his following on socials to make be, it happen. We'll see what we can do. Surely, sure. there's somebody well, we can leverage for that. So, yeah, I like that. I like that idea. But yeah, I'd be more than willing to try to pull that off, Chris. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, Dad, on a little bit of a more serious note, there are a lot of young long snappers, young athletes who uh, listen to our podcast, a lot of dads of those young athletes who listen to our podcast. We wanted to ask you as a dad, as a father, what's a piece of advice that your dad, that Daddy Bob passed down to you that you might want to pass down to us or those who might be listening? I think the the thing, it would be what I remember most about my dad, which was he'd never met a stranger. And I think looking back on that, it taught me to be just some of the more basic things that we tried to teach you both, right? It's when you meet someone, you look them in the eye, you shake their hand and you introduce yourself and you tell them who you are and just what is in some ways is lost on many young adults these days. But that would be That type of approach to interacting with people will serve you well as you navigate the recruiting trail, right? As you go through high school and you talk to coaches and you talk about, right? Because as you guys said on a couple of podcasts ago, as a long snapper, you have to, you have to, it's almost like sell yourself, right? They don't, they're not, they're recruiting you to a point, but you're selling yourself to them. Those qualities of being able to talk to people and interact to people will serve you well as they navigate that process and just, you know, have respect for people, be able to engage, and that'll serve you, you know, well, even beyond your career in football. Yeah, I agree. That's that's great advice. And I think it is, you know, as, as a new dad, giving myself a little bit of a different perspective on life and how... I'm kind of mentally preparing myself, you know, not in the immediate future, but in years to come to to raise uh, a daughter and hopefully more kids along the way. But I think it is somewhat of a lost art, the ability to just sit down and, and have a simple conversation with somebody without getting distracted or, you know, or, or losing sight of, of kind of the, the way the conversation is going. I think... I think learning to be invested in the conversation and learning to 
ask people about themselves and taking a vested interest in the person that you are conversing with is something that, like I just said, it's a lost art um, because so many people converse, you know, over a 30 character text message nowadays. There's not, it's kind of just you respond when you want and you wait for, you wait for a reply. And I'm not going to say that I'm not guilty of, of texting my fair share, but I do consider myself someone who can sit there and have a conversation in a professional manner. But I, 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 I think that's a great piece of advice, Dad. So just kind of, kind of keeping that same thought process. This came from uh, our buddy, Greg down at LSU, Greg Golden. He was curious, what are three tips on parenting two boys that made it to the NFL? I would say two key things that I think you both would resonate with because we tried to teach you that as you grew up. First would be that, and our our approach was always that we wanted others to enjoy you both and being around you both as much as we did. And so teaching you, you know, how to have respect for others and how to act in certain situations and how to conduct yourself as a respectable citizen, (laughs) because that's what it was about. It was about putting others first and making sure that either of you or both of you weren't taking away from, you know, whatever event or situation, you know, we might've been in. It's just teaching you to act a certain way so that others can enjoy being around you as well. And then I guess the other second one would just be, as you guys were growing up, the thing that I think we talked to you a lot about, and not to be too, I feel like we're being maybe over serious, so I'm trying not to give too much of that vibe. No, you're good. But I think it was teaching you both that, you know, up to a certain point, our decision is the final decision and we can discuss it and we can maybe have a compromise. Uh, and we may not always agree on what we decide you can do or not do while you, you know, while you're under our responsibility, if you will. But at the same time, we have a risk, we have still have a healthy respect for each other. And, you know, as an, as your parent, I, we, and or parents, we felt, we had a responsibility to make sure that we put you in good situations and didn't allow you to put yourself in an unsafe situation or something that might lead you to a decision that you might not be prepared to make. You know, that was kind of our approach and just, it still goes back to the, you know, the idea of being respectful. And I think those types of things have served you both. You have a respect now for now that you're making much more of those own decisions for yourself. You can do that in a similar way. And now Reed, you've got a daughter and a wife to worry about as well. And, you know, we just thought that those two, those two things were foundational. And then I think as you got a little bit older, uh, the other two things that I would mention quickly, one related to sports would just be that, and I, that would be if I could do it over again, I might do it slightly differently that, you know, after a game or after a practice or whatever, win or lose, 
the parents need to be the ones that encourage you and not try to be your coach all over again on the way home in the car. You know, I tried to do that as best I could, but I think that's, that would be an advice piece of advice I would give any parent if they've got a kid in sports or whatever. And then lastly would just be, be the parent and not try to be your best friend because that you guys can, can rattle off a list of names as long as your arm that you met along the way where their parents, you know, chose to be their best friend and not their parent. And it's, it's just not a good recipe for success. And so everybody has to decide for themselves, but, you know, we tried to, we tried to do it as best we could and, you know, guys have turned out okay. Dad, we appreciate you. All the, the answers to these questions have been unbelievable. And I'm sure that our listeners have enjoyed this as much as we have. We do have some quick snaps that we want to ask you. This is a yes. little more light. This is a little more lighthearted. Some of your favorite things, some sort of e- some either ors. And so this, a lot of these came from our followers on social media, listeners of the pod. So let's jump right in. Favorite beef on weck spot in Buffalo. Oh my gosh. Chris could probably answer this for me because he and I talk about this on a very regular basis over text. Um, and we have, I guess, what Chris, for the last six years, right, that we've been talking about this. <laughs> I'll never forget you, like the first time that you came here and you had asked me about the beef on Weck and you had brought up uh, 716, which is uh, no longer a restaurant here, and asked me if there were other spots that have this sandwich. I'm like, yeah, there's a billion that have it and do it way better. Yeah, they had their own little twist. And I learned. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was a rookie. I had not yet learned all of the great spots. But I don't know. I've probably had it in Buffalo at more than a dozen different places that people have recommended. Some are okay. Some are better than others. There's no, I mean, it's almost like, I don't know. I probably shouldn't make any kind of comparisons, but there's Bar Bill and there's everybody else, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. It's not even close. All right. It's not this even is, close. This is also along the same lines. We're obviously big fans of food in our family. And Reed, going along with the hashtag Grills Mafia, um, has gotten a lot of traction. Charcoal or gas? I, if I had a preference, I'd do charcoal, but I don't have the patience for that. This one comes from our committed listener, Brett Carlson. What's one, <laughs> what is one tip for mid-range golf game? Most people would say chipping and putting, and I thought that for a long time. Learn how to hit the fairway. You'll, you you'll gain a lot more strokes hitting fairways and greens than you will becoming a better putter. That's All right. That's a proven fact. All right, next question, next quick snap. Would you give up tickets to a Ferguson Bowl to play golf with Peyton Manning? You mean like once? One? <laughs> I yes. know the answer to this question. I mean, is One, it, if can, you, are you, would you are give you up tickets? Would like, you give up ticket? Would you give up tickets this weekend? If Peyton called and said, if "Hey, Peyton you called and said, hey, you want to play? Yeah, hey, you want to play eighteen holes?" My yeah, treat. I go, yeah, I go play with Peyton. <laughs> I knew what, it. I mean, I knew it. Did you guys gamble on that? Nope. Nope. In my Not mind. 
It's a dumb question. Because, it's well, dumb- it's not a dumb question because, I mean, obviously, because I would say, well, there's going to be another Ferguson Bowl, right? But that's a little bit of a <laughs> conditional one. Mom would say, oh, no way. <laughs> Staying along the same lines, as we and our listeners know, you are a big fan of golf and playing golf and all things golf. What is your favorite golf course you've ever played? Kiowa. Not what I That's was expecting. I was thinking, I was thinking Oak Hill. Well, yeah, East I Lake. would, uh, uh, Eastlake was my guess. Yeah. I mean, Eastlake, I mean like a one-time experience. Yeah. I, I guess I'd probably still say Kiowa cause it's so unique. But That's fair. yeah, I mean, East Lake is an Oak Hill too. East Lake has got so much history, and well, Oak Hill does too. But I did have a hole in one at East Lake, so I guess I probably should have said that. It's funny that you actually bring up Kiowa because when we were in Cincinnati playing our third preseason game, I saw a guy walking out of our hotel, not part of our Dolphins crew, just a random guy walking out of the hotel wearing a Kiowa Island uh, golf shirt. And I said something to him. I was like, hey, we, you know, we used to vacation there growing up. And, you know, my dad played the course every time we went. Funny, funny anecdote. But all right, moving on. Uh, This is along the lines of football. Favorite away stadium, college and pro. Favorite away stadium experience still to in, well, I guess six years or five years, right? Is still Kansas City. That's the best one so far. Now we are going to Vegas this year, so things could change. But yeah, I mean, the, when we went to when we went to KC in what was that? Read Chris, twenty uh, seventeen or 17. 17. Yeah, that was. I mean, it was great that you won, but it was. It's just a. It's just a cool place. The people are nice. Now they weren't quite as nice when we went back for the AFC Championship last year, but they'd won a Super Bowl since then. But it's still one of the best, in my opinion, to go to. Uh, College-wise, I mean, best experience or best stadium? Overall experience, I would say, but you're welcome to choose. It's A&M. They have the best stadium. Auburn's a close second. They're nice whether you win or lose, but A&M's got the best stadium, hands down. Least favorite away, away stadium, college, and pro? Oh, my gosh. That's easy. It's like you're sitting – a hundred yards from the sun. It's Gainesville. <laughs> I, I probably should be careful what I say. Yeah, Gainesville. <laughs> uh, I, I, least I, when you when you played there for the last time, it was like a dream. Just knowing <laughs> I never had to go back to that place ever. Least favorite away stadium pro. Uh, New England. Same thing. They're yeah. they're awful. Yeah, they're not very. They nice. are awful. And I've been to Philly for a preseason. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess qualify that. But their their fans are mean to their own players. Much it would less take a lot to team. rival some of the trips we've had to Foxborough. All right, our last uh, our last quick snap comes from producer Chris. Oh yeah, this one. Who can throw a basketball higher in the air, Blake or Reed? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of a moment. Is that why you're asking this question? 100%. I'll never forget that game. (laughs) 
Chris, can I, you give some background for the people? So for a lot of people that, uh, if you don't know, I used to live in Atlanta where these three are from, and I used to score keep Blake and Reed's basketball games when they played rec basketball when they were probably 10 and 11 years old, respectively. And I guess there was a game where it was the end of the game and Blake got a rebound and it was close, a close game. So you're trying to kill clock and (laughs) Blake threw it up at the ceiling. I'm pretty sure it hit the ceiling. I'm pretty sure it did too. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was trying to throw it backwards. Yeah, and there was like two. There was like two guys swarming him, and he's like, oh, "I can't. What do I do?" So just throw it straight up in the air. <laughs> I'll happily take the L on this question. Oh my gosh! I was gosh. too, I was too worried about my magic show. It's Blake. Last question for it. last question for the pod, Dad. How do you decide your outfit for the Ferguson Bulls? What did I wear last time? Wasn't just like a gray. I think you – well, I don't remember what you wore. I know you had like uh, – you obviously had a like a Dolphins shirt, a Bills, hat. Bills hat, LSU Gator. Gator in the Dolphins stadium last year. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not I, I'm not sure I've ever worn one of your jerseys ever. So that's not my thing. Mom does that. So I don't know. Maybe I need your suggestions. Does I – you know, do I just wear a gray T-shirt with a panhandle hat or something or – we need to get we need to get dad we need to get a dad a a shirt that says I just hope both teams have fun yeah or something like that or I just maybe hope we both, can I just hope both long snappers do well that's the shirt I'm gonna get you dad maybe we can sell that shirt under yeah, that's the uh, be, that's under our new nice nice apparel line that's yeah. gonna be the first first t shirt that we come out with as a podcast. I just hope both long snappers do really well. That's that's a good one. Or just a shirt that says, I like punts. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. That that would actually that would probably sell for the brand. You can always follow us on social media at after the snap pod on Instagram and Twitter. We also ask that you please subscribe to our podcast give us a nice rating and review this has been after the snap dad you want to do the tagline tales from two brothers who live life upside down <laughs>